Hey everybody, this is Chris. Welcome to Renewing the Center. Uh, at some point pretty soon, since we brought the podcast back, I'll figure out music and an intro, but for now you just get my voice and the Bible. So I hope that's okay for now. Uh, today we're going to be continuing on in Luke, uh, and I think these are great passages for us as we begin to prepare our hearts for the season of Advent, uh, learning more about who Jesus is. And so today I'm going to read a long passage. It's from the lectionary in the Anglican Book of Common Prayer. And then we'll pray and then just spend some time thinking about and looking at Jesus as he seeks uh, renewing work in our lives. Verse 17, Luke 5. One day while he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting nearby. They had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with them to heal. And just then some men came carrying a paralytic, paralyzed man on a bed. They were trying to bring him in and lay him before Jesus, but finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles in the middle of the crowd in front of Jesus. When he saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. And then the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, Who is this who is speaking blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And when Jesus perceived their questioning, he answered them, Why do you raise such questions in your hearts? Which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, stand up and walk. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the one who is paralyzed, I say to you, stand up, take up your bed, and go to your home. Immediately he looked up, stood up before them, and took what he had been lying on and went to his home, glorifying God. Amazement seized all of them, and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, We've seen strange things today. After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, Follow me. And he got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi gave a great banquet for him in his house, and there was a large crowd of tax collectors and others sitting at the table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes were complaining to his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered, This is so important, y'all. Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have come not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And then they said to him, John's disciples, like the disciples of the Pharisees, frequently fast and pray, but your disciples eat and drink. And Jesus said to them, You cannot make wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them, can you? The days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast in those days. He also told them a parable, No one wears a piece from an old tears a piece from an old from a new garment and sews it on an old garment. Otherwise, the new will be torn, and the piece from the new will not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins, and it all will be spilled, and the skins will be destroyed. But new wine must be put into fresh wineskins. And no one, after drinking old wine, desires new wine, but says the old is good. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father, I pray today that as we hold these words and these uh, seasons, these snapshots of Jesus's life, that you would give us a heart for your work. May we believe you for renewal. In Jesus' name, amen. So understandably, most of the time when a passage such as this one is read, we focus on those friends. And I totally get it. I've preached more sermons about those friends um, like, what does it mean to be a friend, you know, to, to get someone to Jesus? Uh, it's a beautiful moment. It's a heroic moment, honestly, where they climb up on the roof with their friends. So there's a lot that could be said there. I've actually said a lot about that in other places. But today, I just want to do something a little bit different. I, I think I want, to, I want to hold this idea of why they would have taken such a bold step in the first place. 
and why Levi, who is Matthew, would have left everything to follow Jesus. I just think there's something about Jesus here. And over the last number of sessions, we've been thinking about this idea of the, the power of Jesus, the moral authority of Jesus. And today we're going to hold the fact that there was something about him that convinced people that if they could just but connect to him, something beautiful and restorative might happen in their own lives or in the lives of a friend. These people are less concerned in this moment with theology, and they're more concerned with the presence and the power of Jesus to restore people back to life. And I think this is really important because if you if you only think of the healing of the paralytic as a guy who couldn't walk now being able to walk, you're, you're only getting a fraction of the story. And I believe there's a reason why Luke tells us of the paralytic and of Levi, who becomes Matthew, in the same story because Jesus is doing the same thing for these two people. He's giving them their real life back. So what does it mean to have your life given back to you? Maybe before you could answer what it means to have your life given back, we need to reflect for a little bit on what it means to lose a sense of life. In the ancient world of Jesus, the paralytic would have been a sort of external placeholder for what it means to lose your life. Uh, in, in the ancient Semitic Near Eastern world in which Jesus lived, to be broken in this way is to be compromised. It, it means that you thankfully receive pity, alms for the poor, uh, a, a person, a paralytic, would have would have lived by a city gate, or they would have lived at the, in another instance we see in and around Jerusalem in the Pool of Siloam, a place where people could go and offer charity to them. But that's what they got: pity, charity. They were compromised. Um, they were excluded. Uh, they were destined to receive uh, as disempowered people the help from kind souls. And I think that before we can understand what it means to get your life back, I think we all have to hold the idea that we each and every one of us have these opportunities throughout life to lose life, to see life be diminished, to feel like we're less than an object of pity or scorn. It wasn't long ago for me that I found myself in such a place um, during a season of burnout and a brokenness in my own life, I had to ask myself over and over again whether I believed Jesus could give me a sense of real life back. Is Jesus a restorer, a healer, a renewer, or is he just a teacher, a symbolic teacher, a person that we would say we believe in because we're Christian? I think to ask the question after we've experienced brokenness and loss, can Jesus give me my life back, is a really scary question because you may come to the conclusion that you're not sure you believe the answer is yes. There were certainly many, many moments in my own journey over the last number of years where a part of me believed that Jesus could do something similar to this story with the paralyzed man or Matthew. And then there were other parts of me that weren't so sure. And I find it fascinating to me that you may struggle like I do sometimes to think, well, if I had a overt illness or a, a malady such as a, a paralyzed leg or two, I don't know if I believe in Jesus for that. And so it's so interesting to me that in, in the immediate aftermath of that healing, Jesus walks outside and sees Levi, who we come to know as Matthew. And Matthew's a tax collector, and we just reflected on that here in the podcast. A lucrative job that put him in the crosshairs of hate. People scorned him. They hated him. They despised him. And Jesus looks at this guy in a terrible job with a terrible reputation, a person who lost his essence and said to him, follow me. And Matthew drops everything, including his lucrative job, and he says yes. And I just want to say why. Why would those friends lower 
their buddy down through a roof? Why would Matthew leave everything that he knew, including his income, and say yes to Jesus? Y'all, there was something about Jesus. He possesses authority. And I think we think about this too little in today's world. We think about Jesus possessing the potential to comfort us or that he's wise, but does he possess authority? Can he direct our lives? And I will tell you, until you hit a season of brokenness, you probably aren't sure that you need Jesus to direct your life all that much. This is why, since that time of brokenness in my own life, I am more intentional now about cultivating an awareness of my neediness. I do it on a regular basis. I name my vulnerabilities, my weaknesses, my neediness, and I make friends with those weaknesses because I recognize that my brokenness, my sin, my fragility, yours too, actually puts us in the place where Jesus would move close to us. He is medicine for the sick. He's a serpent on the pole for the snake bit, and I felt both sick and snake bit. He's not wishy-washy about what we need. He knows what we need, and he has it to offer. And I think that the real question in front of all of us as we see Jesus lay claim to people's lives, such as Matthew and this paralyzed man, is do we know what we need? Do we have an awareness of our need, our brokenness, our limitations, our sin? And I want to say this. Jesus was not wishy-washy about why he was hanging out with people. He wasn't just hanging out at this banquet that Matthew threw because he thought, you know, lost people were cool. Um, and I've heard some people in the church almost act as much. It's like they 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 think Jesus just sort of like loved hanging out with cool people because maybe they liked hanging out with cool people and they wanted justification. Jesus was at that party at Matthew's house because he was pursuing Matthew and his friends. He He saw that they were the sick who needed a doctor. He actually says as much. So I just want to leave you with this as you step into your day or do whatever it is that you're doing. Are you aware of your neediness? Are you aware of the places where you need a physician? Jesus is that physician, but you and you need to admit the places where you need him. Because if we don't know what we need, we won't recognize the help of God when it comes to us. The Lord wants to give us our lives back. He doesn't just want to take away pain. He wants to restore. For that paralyzed man, this wasn't just about him now having the use of his legs. This was about restoring his whole life to him. The potential for relationships and a job and a vocation and participation. He went from out of the game, out of the stream, to in the stream, in the game. Jesus wants to do the same for us. But we need to know where he would come close and what we need from him. And that's my prayer for you today is that you would make friends with and become more aware of your need, your sin, your brokenness, and invite Jesus into those very places. God bless you. Amen.